This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Oscar-winning special effects wizard Phil Tippett is directing a new movie called Mad God. I spoke with the Oscar winner about his groundbreaking career from Star Wars to Jurassic Park. Hey, Phil Tippett, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, well, thank you for talking to me, Jason. Um, you know, I'd say the majority of the time we talk to, you know, directors, actors, but I feel like it's rare we get to talk to these master craftsmen, special effect technicians. I guess we talked with Douglas Trumbull a couple years ago, but this is a real treat because you've done it all, my friend. Um, talk about it's called Mad God, your new animated feature. Um, didn't you didn't you start this as like a stop motion film decades ago and had to shelf it for another major project? We all know. Explain to our listeners how that happened. I started after RoboCop 2 and shot about three minutes of material, but realized that the scope and scale of the thing was too big. And so, yeah, we were doing other gigs, you know, uh, before Jurassic Park came around. Uh, Paul Verhoeven and John Davis and I were developing an idea for a, a dinosaur feature that would all be done in stop motion for Disney, but that whole thing fell apart. So, you know, there was like other work going on, but then, yeah, Jurassic Park came up and kind of changed everything. Well, yeah, we can get back to Jurassic Park later, but I want to focus on Mad God right now. Tell us about the, the basic uh, premise of, like, you know, the story. First of all, there's no story. You know, there, there is a narrative and there is a logic to it, but um, uh, it, it really you know, flies in the face of conventions about narrative filmmaking. So, and it's, it's like a collage, you know, it's a bunch of different techniques, you know, from stop motion animation to, uh, you know, computer graphic pumping to high speed uh, miniatures and high speed um, character that, we called the alchemist that was all shot at about 120 frames a second and deposited it into live action shots. So it was like, you know, you know, just figuring out it one bit at a time. And one of the first scenes we shot was the operation where they're kind of excavating the, the uh, assassin's guts and uh, pull out time books and jewelry and false teeth and then some weird little dead creatures and then pulls out a uh, um, kind of a wormy thing that cries like a baby and dumps uh, that into a train the nurse takes it out and goes down the hallways to a big metal door that opens and the uh, uh, 
alchemist comes out and takes the baby away. So, um, you know, th these things are just kind of built like that. And, you know, if I'm working on a day job, yeah, I could do a setup. Um, and if I'm on location, just walk away from the setup and, you know, come back to it. You know, I, I was very influenced by the uh, surrealist artist, um, Joseph Cornell. He made these wonderful boxes, uh, collages of materials he would find over the years. And he would go to junk shops and antique shops and just find stuff, you know? And a lot of his stuff, you know, he'd go back and it's very well organized, unlike me, and um, would have things, objects that he found in these boxes, and they may stay there for years until he's working on uh, a project and all the stuff that he doesn't know how to complete all of a sudden you know he goes like you know the red parrot the yellow parrots that i've been collecting all different colors of parrots that would go great so he would do that and my similar was very my process was very very similar you know i just collect tons of junk and um you know, a lot of stuff made it into that out of the prop, or, you know, I would just have, you know, masks and, you know, uh, little artifacts from museums and scans of, you know, prehistoric art. And all that stuff kind of talks to you, you know. So I just surround myself with this and kind of soak up the vibe. So a lot of the, the you know, so-called in inspiration was just kind of like being in a sneaking room soaking it up awesome well uh it sounds like it paid off because i know it just premiered at the locarno film festival in in switzerland um they also gave you the vision award there how big of an honor was it for that i assume that's sort of like a, a career achievement sort of deal yeah i mean it was a bigger deal than i had anticipated because nobody told me that when i got the award it was the end of, well, i knew it was going to be the grand piazza but there were six thousand people there so that, that was daunting, you know, and <laughs> to think quick about how to be, you know, humorous and entertaining to 6,000 people. <laughs> I'm sure you pulled it off. Uh, I, whenever I have someone, you know, a legend in filmmaking like yourself, when I always want to know sort of how you got into it in the first place. So, you know, how did you fall in love with with movie special effects, you know, growing up? I, guess, I Where did you grow up and how did you fall for special effects? Uh, I grew up in uh, the area I'm living right in right now, Berkeley, California, and then my parents moved to Southern California. Um, but in uh, 1955 or six, when I was about five years old, I saw King Kong on television in 1958, The Seven Forge of Sinbad. And those really galvanized my, you know, what I what my path was. I had no idea what the technique was. Um, and if you watch the movie, you probably wouldn't be able to see it again for another 10 years or so on television. And this, you know, I've talked to my friends like Dennis Spearman, was really helpful for us as opposed to the information overload that everybody's getting, you know, through the media, rapid access to things. You know, we would have to imagine you know, uh, and try and hold 
in our minds what we had seen. And uh, that really led to a, uh, you know, uh, the building blocks of the creative process, you know, because you're just thinking and meditating on this stuff over and over and over. And so, um, you know, that's how we did it. I'm bipolar, and so um, I don't get pressed that often, but um, my manic side is my superpower. You know, I can just work and work and work and work and work and work. for being so open about all of that and i'm glad that you know that you said you can you can take advantage of the manic side and crank out a lot of works and find some positive out of it for sure thank you for that um well my listeners will kill me if i don't at least ask you one question about you know the ilm days industrial light and magic all those breakthrough effects with george lucas's star wars um memories of like how, how did you even meet lucas and and get hired and, and like what actual effects were you i know it was the little mini chessboard scene but what all else did you do in star wars well this was right at the very end of the schedule and, and george was unhappy with the cantina scene that he shot he thought all the creatures kind of looked like beatrix potter creatures so he was able to talk Fox out of some money uh, to have a, a bunch of costumes made. Um, and we went down there. Uh, so uh, he hired Rick Baker, uh, our friend, and Rick hired uh, four stop motion, out of work stop motion animators. And over the period of about six weeks, the direction from George was make as many space aliens as you can. And so we did that, went down to a little insert stage uh, on La Brea Avenue in Hollywood, and uh, George directed. We put the costumes on and acted in the costumes that we had made. And, uh, and Carol Ballard uh, was the director of photography. And uh, yeah, so we went down and shot it. And while we were working on it, uh, George would stop by once a week to check our progress. And he saw stop motion puppet that I had made as a teenager and that gave me the idea to do the chess set. Awesome. 
Well, uh, I know you won like a special Oscar for that, uh, at least for Jedi. Um, continue to do the Mandalorian, all kinds of stuff. So you, you've never, you've Star Wars has always been employing you, which is really cool. Um, and then you mentioned RoboCop earlier, but you know, final question: we have to ask about Jurassic Park '93. Won an Oscar for the. It was sort of that cross section of your bread and butter, your stop motion, your go motion dino puppets, but then this new technique of cgi dinosaurs roars onto the scene and you know talk about how you juggled those two and spielberg you know just like king kong generation before i mean jurassic park was that big moment where special effects took a hard pivot in a whole new direction right yeah well you know with uh i'm friends with dennis beard and and dennis uh had kept me involved sometimes he would call me over to ilm to look at you know some of the first computer graphics stuff they were doing like the stained glass man in uh, young sherlock and the water snakey thing in the abyss and so i was aware of the progress of it but thought that computer graphics were you know only going to be used for you know more kind of hallucinogenic effects that you couldn't get with stop ocean but um you know one thing led to the next and uh you know the, some of the guys at ilm that they could make a dinosaur that looked, um, you know, real. And Stephen just decided to go that way. And I reacted over, you know, I was over-emotional and um, got really sick with pneumonia and, and really depressed. I thought that would have to be end of it. I'd stay in bed for two weeks. But um, Dennis and uh, my partner, Jules, who's the, the C... Uh, you know, our, our company um, and my partner Craig Hayes at the time uh, came, came up uh, with the idea of doing this input device. And Dennis just didn't have the confidence in the uh, animators that, that he had for Jurassic Park. You know, they were all from Canada. They'd been all from Sheridan College and they'd been trained with kind of classical Disney animation squash and stretch and all of that kind of stuff and flying logos, but they weren't prepared to, you know, do a reconstruction of an animal, you know, behaving. And um, so I knew all that stuff, which is why I, you know, got hired and they kept me up because I knew more than anybody about dinosaurs. And it was very helpful in developing the script with, you know, suggesting alternative dinosaurs that look more interesting and behave more interesting. Um, and so uh, I was helping with uh, for David Kapp and Steven Spielberg uh, doing that. We designed the movie with Stan Winston and, and his team. And uh, so my, my crew did the Tyrannosaurus paddock and the Raptor kitchen with these input devices that were essentially stop motion animation armatures with the encoders on them. And so the traditional stop motion guys who knew about weight and mass and performance could get it through stop motion and um that's how we did that stuff it was very complicated very elaborate but once we had uh created a performance and then it was like in wireframes because things the computers moved very slowly we'd send that over to ILM and they would render it in positive shots 
Well, sir, it, it, it all paid off because your T-Rex paddock and the raptor kitchen are two of the scariest scenes that I think I've still ever seen. So, um, man, what a career. We could talk all day, but I know you got to run. So thank you so much. Again, everyone, this is Phil Tippett. Everyone go check out his new uh, animated feature, Mad God. Uh, thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.